So, hello everyone. It's Carmen here, and you are on the Another Startup Story podcast. I'm really exciting. I'm excited today because we are recording from the Crane uh, co-working podcast studio. Um, and so thanks for joining us. Uh, in today's episode, uh, like in most of our episodes, we'll be talking business, we'll be talking creativity, uh, we'll be talking biohacking, and most importantly, we'll be talking to inspiring individuals that can share their insights and tips to improve your business and passions. So on today's episode, we are talking to the talented Joanne uh, Ubeda, who is a film director here in Singapore. And so just to give you a bit of a biography, uh, at age 10, his parents actually bought him a small camcorder, which um, he then went on to make short action films <laughs> with his neighbours and edited them in camera. Um, and he was, received his Master of Fine Arts degree in film directing with New York University, um, and is now based here in Singapore. He's also filmed um, many uh, different, filmed at many different festivals in the US, across Europe, and also Asia. And back in 2018, he actually joined PwC's newest experience center as an in-house film director to focus on a number of different creative technology projects. That really helps to solve important issues within major industries and society at large. Um, and what's most exciting is this year he's released um, his first feature film debut uh, called Sementara, which is the Malaysian word for transient. Um, and the documentary encapsulates the philosophies, daydreams and crucial moments tr uh, strangers share, um, which will be featured um, in the Singapore International Film Festival uh, next, this month, I believe, right? <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, he'll tell us a bit more about what um, what the film's about. Um, so, yeah, I'm here in the podcast studio live today with the man himself. Please welcome <laughs> Joanne um, to the show. How are you doing? Hey, hey, good. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's You're awesome. You're welcome. Yeah. It's good to have you here. With, a, with, a, with an intro. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I like to always ask this question for, um, you know, everyone during this year, all the people that I've interviewed this year, how, you know, with all the irregularities and everything going on in the world, I mean, it's uh, it's the 4th of November currently, so yeah. great. Ominous day. Yeah, yeah. it's a cra crazy day. How have the last two weeks looked like for you? Mm, I, I would say that actually I've been, I've been way worse before during... Um, earlier during the um, circuit breaker, mm -hmm. you know, but actually I started to find my, my stride, I think, and finally, finally time managing, um, finally like getting used to this new normal. And um, so I think the last few weeks I've been, I've been actually getting to that point, um, mm. you know, um, regardless of politics and everything like that, I'm actually finally getting that stride going. Yeah. So it's great, especially with everything with, with the films and, and, and work and uh, just trying to, you know, be healthy, all that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's getting there finally. There was, it was a quite a, a dark period back then the, during the circuit breaker. It just felt like, yeah, tough. And everyone, yeah, yeah that mental drain, that physical drain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just feel like if no one's had any dark moments this year, it's like, are you really human? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. it's been, yeah, it's been a tough year and it's impacted people in so many different ways, but we just have to try and find the positive things and hold on to them you know 
But, um, but uh, you know, aside from that, good news. So this year you're releasing your um, debut at Cementara. So congratulations, firstly. Um, so you, you mentioned that the world premiere has been announced today. Um, yeah. And will be at the Singapore International Film Festival, which is like big news. That's crazy. So, yeah, tell us a bit more. Is this like a, a project that you've been working on outside yeah. of PwC? Yeah, mm. and what's the um, film about? Yeah, um, it's it's something that I started when I was in, in film school um, at, at NYU Tisch. Uh, basically, I was in a, some documentary class and we uh, have to come up with some subjects, some topics about what we want to do. And... I was having actually a hard time um, figuring it out. And then um, I didn't know who to follow with the chase, you know, what the story was. But then I saw this film, um, this film by uh, this French director called Chris Marker. Um, it's called Le Jolie Mai, which is the lovely month of May. And basically what he did is go around Paris and asking people very interesting questions about their life and their fears and their goals. And, and this was during a time where... Um, um, you know, there was a French-Algerian war, the space race in the world... Mm. Cold War happens soon. You know, all that is, uh, and in, in, you can infuse somehow in the opinions of people. And mm-hmm. so I saw that and just blew my mind because it was, it was actually um, conversational. These, these interviews were just like very off the cuff, conversational, sometimes random and and beautiful. Very also. candid, yeah. Very candid, and um, I just it really moved me. And so I I thought, wow, like, you know, maybe I can try to do something like, like that for for this project. And mm-hmm. this project was only going to be a twenty minute project as well. To showcase later on in the year, and so I, I phoned a friend. Uh, her name Shaman, who I, I I just met maybe that year, and we're just always talking about film, and and then got deeper into like philosophy and all that. And this mm-hmm. felt like this idea had that, so I contacted her to help me with it, and um, and so yeah, her and I started co-directing this project, and we had the 20-minute screening at the documentary class and end of the year, and then one. Uh, one professor once said to me, like, oh, you, this was, you know, we like this a lot. You should actually try to make this into a feature film. Feature film is about something that's 80 minutes, 90 minutes long at least. So right, what right. you see in cinema is, like, that becomes the actual length of a, of a, of a film. Mm-hmm. And that's a product. So I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And that's a producer, producer mentality. is like, yeah, you should make that a product and not just have it 20 minutes, you know, and somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, so from that point on, we just started making it into, a, you know, hopefully... Um, two-hour, three-hour film at first, but then we chopped away and we got to somewhere around right under two hours, and it took it took five years. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it took five years. That's crazy. Um, but we 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 did what we wanted to do, and and like I said before, you know, interviewing people about their fears and their goals, and what their what's on their mind, uh, their religion, mm. what they think about life, yeah, uh, what they think about politics, and. <laughs> It can get a bit dicey, you know, when those topics and we, we really just wanted some candid mm. conversations and and yeah, and now it's finally out. Now it, we, we all the, the combination of everything is finally out. Mm. And um, is this this is purely based in Singapore, right? Yeah. So one thing that um, we both wanted is is to we, to start it in, in Singapore and, and we might have been open to anywhere else, but we obviously logistically just and all the content that we got so fast just happened to be in Singapore and, yeah. uh, and became, uh, it became something that was ingrained. Like you see the identity and the DNA mm-hmm. of what is Singapore and also the, the DNA of people questioning what is Singapore. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, um, and that's what it is. However, like the, it was very interesting. They, we, 
we we planned this in like late 2014 and then we were like okay we'll do it sometime 2015 and um and then actually we were kind of forced into shooting right away because um even though we intellectualized everything and we um and we uh we started talking about what we want how we want it to feel and everything yeah. and we're writing notes and everything um we actually were forced into it because at the time this was 2015 right this is uh singapore's 50th anniversary um yeah at the same year uh lee kuan yu passed away actually and we had already planned this film and and however like obviously obviously that's a very important point you know in in just the history of singapore but also just in general and in, in politics and people's psyche so we we kind of were forced to start right away like oh wow this happened we need to get a camera we need to go um right, they right. were having the i believe the um like the, the wakes or the, the the funerals and stuff um at the time uh, around like the istana and everything so mm-hmm. uh, shaman got her camera and we started filming and everything and that was like literally our first day of filming mm. yeah and what were what were the biggest I guess most shocking or you know insights that you got from the answers? Like I'm really intrigued myself. You know, obviously I've seen the trailer, but you know I, I I'd, I'd just be interested to see. I mean, I don't know if you ended up publishing all of the answers, but what was the insight like? Oh, there were so many. So we we one goal was to get like a variety of people that we we know weren't always featured in, mm-hmm. in typical media or or, or any, anything yeah. like that. Um, I would say one, there's a few, but one, one that like, I, I guess a lot of people will laugh at when we show them these clips or that we actually interviewed, um, some, uh, some, some soldiers from the army actually. Yeah. And this was during, um, the basic military training where the, the new recruits get in and after a few months they've, they pass into the military mm-hmm. and, and there was, um, a few that we actually interviewed who were already in the military while this is all happening. So we interviewed them and it was at night and um, they knew we had a camera and everything and we're talking to them telling what we're doing and they, they're actually a lot more candid than we thought. We thought we were just gonna, they're going to say no, get out. But we actually started talking to them and, and they gave insights about, because uh, we were trying to ask, you know, you know, is it voluntary or compulsory? What's the best way for um, the future of Singaporean mm-hmm. um, men to, to, you know, to get a job or to be in the military and it's it's a very tough choice for them yeah and it really can stagnate you know uh, that 18 to 20 uh range right it yeah really so for those of you who sort of are listeners who don't you know understand don't know but in singapore it's mandatory for yeah correct to yeah go to the military so we did ask him about that question um is it better um to be compulsory mm-hmm. or is it better voluntary mm-hmm. and and usually people would say the answer is um depends you know uh, is it for for individuals better it's better voluntary but maybe for the collective yes. side of singapore it's it's better to be mandatory and that's one thing that we were asking them about um so one answer we got was uh one time was got yeah it has to be it has to be compulsory because you know um look what happened last time with the british they didn't really help us with anything <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah so they we found that quite you know succinct um you know, in the way that it Jason represents very a lot of passionate um, yeah. answers there and feelings. Yeah, so that, that's, that's definitely one of them. And, and just throughout, people talk about, um, for example, uh, we talked to some also some domestic uh, helpers, mm-hmm. some uh, domestic helpers that we found, um, you know, they, they would, every Sunday they have a day off, uh, and a lot of them are from the Philippines. And 
uh, this particular group, they would just play some music and start dancing like in the park and it all coordinated all and it just looks really wonderful and it's great and then we started talking to them and just telling us about how um we have to dance you know we can't just rely on moving our bodies when we're sweeping the toilet washing the dishes all that yeah. we, we we need some time to actually move our bodies for actually dancing yeah and um but filipinos are great dancers like yeah. i haven't met a single filipino who can't dance <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so so that was great, and and then they get a bit into more of like um, how it is with their employers and and mm-hmm. all that, and mm. and there's frustrations as well. You know, they have some frustrations, and and how maybe they're seen as a different class at times. Not by everyone, of course, but at times they're seen by a different class. Mm. And so, um, they just found those those opinions a lot uh, very interesting and, and very passionate as well. So yeah. that's another one. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. And so how what was the process like in actually making the film like you're saying it took five years what does that look like in a more kind of concise you know practically like how does one go out and make a film um well the nature of this film um as i was saying before it it's you know actually people would categorize it it more as a film essay and Mm -hmm. and the one i told you about in the 1963 film from france it's also a film essay and there's a lot of these type of films where they're a bit more, um, sl- they're slow, they're slower, they're a bit more meditative, and, and they're a bit more about the candid uh, interviews and the observational documentary uh, aspects. So it would be, f- yeah, more of a film essay as opposed to like a journalistic kind of mm-hmm. uh, properly uh, facts and fiction and graphics and everything like yeah. that. Um, so this process for this, um, it's a lot of <laughs> intellectualizing. It's a lot of like going back and forth. Like, what do we want to say? What is, mm-hmm. we just can't, uh, always go out and film. We have to put some meaning to it. What's the symbolism about it? Um, a big portion of it was we wanted to show how everything that you're watching is like almost happening at the same time. It's all happening by different groups of people from way different backgrounds, mm-hmm. but it's actually happening all at once in one location. And in that year or two years that we've been filming, right? Especially in, in the symbolic uh, points of, of Singapore's history, which is Lee Kuan Yew passing, the 50th anniversary, mm-hmm. um, all that. It's, it's, it, how does that all affect everything? And, um, and so it's a lot of intellectualizing, a lot of going back and forth, and um, a lot of cutting as well. We, the very first cut that we showed um, to a private uh, viewing uh, was more than three hours, three, three hours and, and maybe, Three hours and a half, maybe. Wow, yeah. Um, uh, luckily, everyone stuck with it, and they actually enjoyed it. Um, that was a couple of years ago. but. Um, and how long is it now? The now it's, now it's only uh, an hour and 44 minutes. Okay. Yeah, oh, uh, 15 minutes short of two yeah. hours. And um, that's a nice, that's a nice uh, uh, sh- length there because of, of being able to have it more accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that whole producer mentality as well. You, you know, you're a director, and you want to make... You want to make it seven hours if you want, right? That's the directing side, but the producer side is always like, hey, we should bring it down, make it more accessible. Um, uh, festivals will like it a bit more that way. And the message that we wanted is still there in that, yeah. in that short of time. Um, but yeah, so the goal was always at least a feature length uh, film. So at least 80 minutes, at least 90 minutes and keep it under two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, super interesting. But so you're also, you know, aside from a director for films, you also direct commercials and music videos, right? Um, can you just, you know, for the audience, kind of dissect a bit more about the difference between, you know, 
what it's like being a director behind the camera for all three and which one you, is your favorite? Yeah, um, it's, it's hard choosing, I would say. I mean, in the end, if, if you have a lot of time and, and you know, can deal with a lot of stress, yeah, I, I, I tell people, you know, documentaries are great. Spend all the time because they will shape, you know, you for, for other projects. Um, but if you have um, maybe a smaller amount of time and a sm like you get a collaboration with the same musician, music videos are great. I love music videos. I, I wish I can do them for forever. You know, um, I did a few um, with some artists from here in Singapore as well. What uh, kind of genre? Um, you might like this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just had this big conversation about music yeah. before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the, the very first one I did uh, some years ago as well, um, it was one with a, a, a band, a rock band here called um, Space Days. Mm -hmm. And they're quite, um, have the psychedelic groove. And I really like them a lot. And I saw them in some random gig here. Yeah. And I just, after a few times, I reached out to them and said, hey, like, I got an idea. Let's just listen up for a bit if you can one of these days i'll send you all the all the references and they started to, to be into it and uh you know we did that and wow it's so weird because we're talking about the the green corridor and hiking as well yes. um that music video was shot in the green corridor oh, wow. yeah. the green corridor is yeah it's basically like a hiking path yeah. here yeah. in singapore which is uh it's on like railway tracks i think yeah. it's pretty cool if you google it um haven't done it yet but uh, yeah very cool music video spot <laughs> yeah it is yo i'll show you and um and then there's another one i did with um this electronic musician called intriguent okay he's part of this um bigger kind of collective of called syndicate as well uh, and they do the great music mm. they're, they're they're awesome they yeah, do the coolest and they do a lot of visual art as well right um, right and i and they yeah they just try to have gigs everywhere so i think that was another one that i i really liked as well because all these projects i think uh, i i do it very indie style and i do i try not to to like bring down the music with too much like uh fluff if you will yep, yep. Um, I, I keep it close to like indie music um, the, the, the way we shoot it's very guerrilla style right, um, right. And, and I think that keeps the audience a bit more of like if that's the identity of the artist, I think that, that works really well. Yeah, 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 definitely. I do think, you know, even though people don't really watch music channels, I remember mm. when I was a kid, I used to, the music channels were my favorite channels, but nowadays you rarely ever, I mean, you know, sometimes you'll watch a music video on YouTube, but um, I think it's much harder for artists to kind of grab the attention of the um, listeners now. It's, mm. it's very much just relied on spotify you know Correct, hearing. Yeah. no one really watches music videos anymore exactly but yeah. it's a sad thing though i think <laughs> it's sad you know it, it really is and and they can also become and, and i can understand it though they also become very um cookie cutter mm -hmm. you know and and you kind of seen it already you've seen that one um that pop song one and then there's <laughs> thinking the, of like the american rappers and <laughs> all the music videos yeah, much. yeah, you know, it can be in. Uh, I I see it in so many other genres as well. But yeah, you're totally right. I see it also in like and and any like rap music videos or maybe uh, anything in in regards to like R and B. Like mm. it can kind of be that way. Um, but I see in a lot of electronic as well, which is the same over and over. But I would say that the, 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 if you ch challenge yourself with music videos. Um, you know, I, I would say that it's it's really, really, really rewarding because if you can create a good story that and tell it within three minutes, 
and and it's you know you're not just relying on putting the camera and having someone dancing around and and you know having different angles but if you really like dedicate in telling a good story within three minutes with with a pretty you know pretty cool song then actually you get a really great product and you actually um teach yourself how to tell stories in, in mm. this kind of smaller form yeah yeah it's really interesting um you know you obviously mentioned telling stories and part of you know another startup story is featuring and kind of speaking to uh entrepreneurs and creatives who are telling their own story and so I think even if you're not in the creative industry being a business owner and being able to tell your own um the founder story is so important and um, for the brand as well and so what do you think are the the key ingredients required to tell a good story um and you can use the music video as an example yeah um, usually i would work with a musician if they allow me to tell a story right um mm. i think i w- i think i wouldn't do one and i mean please don't quote me but i, I don't <laughs> think i would do a music video if they just need me to work with um logistics the camera and like bring technical things over and then they can right, control right, it right. i think I, i would need like the uh, You'd a lot want of the creative, creative and freedom um, control yeah. yeah and so um for me stories are are you know require um conflict you know mm-hmm. you need a you need an interesting compelling character of course and you need them to be you know i, I don't judge characters so good or bad doesn't matter um but they need to be compelling and they need to have something that they want mm-hmm. and and um and maybe that might be the same as what they need but um you need something that that drives them and then you need uh i would say that would be number one. then you need something like a like something that's at stake what do they what would they risk to get that and usually when you have that you can kind of just tell a story right away you know you can imagine someone being extremely hungry and and that's what they need that's what they want to do whatever they can to just get some food you know uh, it can be and they, and you can like stylize it you know with music videos you can make it a zombie thing <laughs> you know you can make that's how hungry they are yeah. they just want to eat you know people right so that, that that's a, already you can see the 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 where need it's progressing and, where it's progressing yeah. and and maybe it, you know if you have time and this doesn't have to be in, in music videos but usually you would have some sort of um a part where they hit rock bottom where they didn't get what they want like and then the struggle yeah and then they realize wait did I always want to eat people all the time <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe I didn't maybe I want to eat something else mm-hmm. right so um there's that resolution but it it really uh, as long as you have compelling characters mm-hmm. and and people can actually put some emotion to that and and kind of maybe um see that in themselves then yeah you're kind of right there so can we talk about compelling characters like for example you know using the using the example of uh entrepreneurs and founders and trying to tell their own story Mm. how does a founder become compelling you know and how do they kind of be able to tell their own compelling story i think everyone wants people to be genuine now right especially now especially in this kind of world of fake news right yeah um you got to be genuine and I I don't think people want a sob story as much as they want you to be genuine. And so no matter what background you're from or anything, I think mm-hmm. as long as you tell the truth and you try to be uh, you know, a decent person, I think people will gravitate towards that and and if you have goals, people will see that hey, this person is is nice, this person um is going after what they're, they're mm-hmm. what they want and maybe I don't have the same background, but I can see how they're genuine in that and i think that's what for me that's what makes people compelling now um 
I think that has changed over the last few decades. Like, yeah, people, people maybe did want sob stories all the time. Didn't yeah. want um, people um, just showing struggles all the time. But now it's like, no, you know, not everyone has to have has gone to, and, and climbed people, a big, yeah, you know, exactly. mountain to and get not, where they are. And then because of that, um, people kind of started doing fake stories of, of struggling, <laughs> right? And all that. And then you, yeah. it makes it even worse, right? So I think as long as you know, you're genuine and you really like just put effort into, you know, doing what you want and being a good person, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, it should be, it should be good. And yeah, I agree. I think being genuine and authentic, even though I hate to use the word authentic, but it is yeah. just being real, being real, <laughs> being real. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know, when you released your, um, your uh, film, Sementara, uh, yeah. you you were telling me that you needed to, to, in order to release and sell the work, you needed to start a company here. Um, can you just share a bit more about that um, in terms of IPs and everything? Yeah. Um, so I, I think like one, one thing that's like mm, what I had to do was, you know, when you make a, f uh, a project and especially a feature length project, um, you kind of want to give it life or give mm -hmm. it legs and how far can it travel um because you know why make this two hours and then you know leave it on on my vimeo page and maybe no one will, will watch it or my mom or something will watch it and you know thanks mom for watching it but <laughs> mom know, always number one supporter <laughs> yeah but maybe if that was the case if i wanted to put it into um into like a small into a vimeo or something i would mm -hmm. make it a smaller uh form a short film instead and that the effort would match that but now that we put so much effort and time we we need to make it a product and that's why we made the feature film and anyways to to do that to deal with feature films you need to deal with potential uh, film festivals uh potential people that want to screen it in their platforms and distributors and, and things like that mm -hmm. And so I was talking to some legal people and um, they were just telling me, yeah, I think the safest thing is to put all the IP, the copyright under a company that you'll be, you know, the sole proprietor of. Mm -hmm. And and then that way, anything that happens that... Right, it, you're like protected. Yeah, protected. And, and it does make sense. And I just don't want to use my name. You know, I, it's just, this effort is from a bunch of other people as well that yeah. we collaborated with and it's just weird to you know it's better to put it under some company as mm -hmm. well so i that's when i was like oh i guess i i always wanted to make a company <laughs> and th you know this happens a lot with me so i guess i'll just be just jump right into it and 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 start a company yeah, yeah i think it makes sense i think a lot of people just get so you know swept up over the whole creative um you know process but they forget about the obviously the finance side and the legal side but some yeah. of it's really important I, i'm not fully there yet and i'm but i'm slowly embracing it uh, that yeah yeah but if you're if you're ever in doubt always consult professionals which you know yeah. you have done and so i just kind of wanted to dive a bit deeper into so now you're working at pwc which is you mm. know for those who haven't heard of pwc it's very much, uh, you know, it's a business. It's one of the, uh, I guess, big four accounting firms. Yeah, consulting um, as well. Yeah, consult counting, consulting, auditing. So very much focused on finance and business. So they've actually got a consulting arm, which is called the Experience Center, which is pretty much creative tech, um, which is quite interesting. And you're seeing quite a lot of other consulting um, firms uh, taking this approach too, including like Accenture. Um, they're kind of setting up these hybrids to have, you know, the business side and the creative side. 
Um, and so these innovation labs are very much mixed with creativity. Um, can you kind of tell us a bit more about what it's like working at Experience Centre and, mm. you know, what is it about? How is it different to like a creative or marketing agent agency? Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah. So everything before I started, I started two years ago. So before I started, I was just mostly focused on like music videos, you know, documentaries, short films, narrative films, um, some commercial stuff. But I didn't know there's, I didn't know the world of consulting at that point. And I got this opportunity to to look at what the experience um, center was going to be and talk to some people there. And they told me that um, we want to have a creative team, people who have the backgrounds, you know that me and a few others would have. And, um, but we wanted to merge that with tech and work with people in VR and AR and 3D printers uh, and all that. And then we want to, at the same time, put that into a, some sort of consulting with, with companies and, and show them prototypes mm -hmm. and, uh, instantly, you know, or show them a prototype, and, but have the marketing and the pizzazz of, of a full-fledged, you know, agency and, and, you know, spice it up in that way. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of, that's the, that's the vision, you know, and I think because consulting and these firms can be slower, you know, dealing with clients and then I, at the same time, um, agencies can be a bit, maybe, um, they, they, they can't work as much as a, a PwC can in terms of working with a client or consulting them as well. It seems they like don't have the scale, you mean they don't have them. the scale. Yeah. It seems like they like there's that, that opportunity that like just do everything, both merge those two things. Mm -hmm. And I think like, as you mentioned, there's other companies as well doing that and either setting up uh, a similar innovation kind of place mm -hmm. or buying outright buying agencies yeah. as well. Um, and that's kind of how it, it's, I got into that world and I really <laughs> did not know anything about consulting. Um, I knew a bit about tech, but seeing how it's important for companies and in their R and D and in their, in their pipeline, that, you know, that really surprised me. Mm. Mm. It, was it kind of strange, you know, being a creative and kind of starting to work in a very corporate environment? Or is your team, like, super creative and you guys are kind of like the outcast of the rest of the firm? Uh, you got it right. Yeah, you got <laughs> it right. I, I think it was set up um, and I think there was a certain protection that the, the people who set that up, you know, they set in place to, to make sure that the creativity doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was one, like, issue or potential issue that they had in mind. It was like, okay, we can't, you know, let um, suits, if you will, like, um, hammer down or, or take away some certain creativity because then the whole point wouldn't work. Yeah. You know, you need to be um, full-fledged in that sense of creativity, innovative, and, and thinking outside the box in order for this to work. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work... Um, uh, it's, yeah, it's just not going to happen. And it's maybe uh, worse for companies, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess I, uh, another startup story, we are very much all about bl blurring the lines uh, between business and creativity, um, but also allowing the two to really complement each other as opposed to seeing them as separate identities, right? Um, do you feel like a lot more businesses and maybe the clients that you've worked with have started to really adopt this mentality now? Um, and... You know, what are the kind of businesses that you work with? Are they kind of like a bit, they're expecting you to be really corporate, you know, working with a firm at PwC, and then actually you're coming out with these crazy innovative ideas? Yeah. Well, I think the way it's set up at P 
PwC, the experience center is actually in a different tower compared to the... <laughs> You're just in a completely different yeah, you know, yeah. location. Got your own office. <laughs> yeah, it's set up in a different tower, um, separate from the main PwC headquarters here in Singapore. So um, when clients, you know, they, they're expecting, uh, I would say, what you expect from a consulting place, you know. But when they come into the experience center, the way it's set up and designed... It was um, set up in a way where, like, you enter and you almost feel like you're going into a club. It's like lasers and, and lights <laughs> right. and everything like that. And so I, I think that that gasp, that shock, that this is something different that we're working with. I think clients really kind of buy into it right away. And um, but then, like, there is stuff to back it up. You know, there's stuff on in terms of like identifying the pain points that the company needs to take care of and like you know facilitating having facilitating. Uh, workshops to to get through that and then from there you kind of take it into okay here are your pain points maybe we can you know design something here some maybe we're, we're talking about some software or some some software within a uh, ar or vr as well and and then here's like a prototype of that here's how that will look like this journey will look like and then um you won't get bored because we have creatives who make it look and design really well and so they can kind of see right away um like maybe in that session or that, that time period with um, the experience center that, hey, um, we actually can see the future, if you will, of our company here. We can get, see a glimpse. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important for them. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really interesting. I, um, you know, I just had a question that came to mind, but, you know, looking at a lot of you know, especially during COVID, I think there's this whole talk of uh, moving to digital now and everyone's kind of going online. And so I'm assuming a lot of clients have been kind of coming to you guys as the kind of expertise to see how to, I guess, like reproduce or, or shift their content online. Do you think, I mean, I know this conversation has been kind of going on for a while but do you think video is very much the future and I mean I know even podcasting and audio has boomed so much and especially during COVID we're all stuck in our homes um but I, I where do you see I guess my question is where do you see the future of video um and how is that is it going to become more long form content or short form what do you what do you think on that mm. I think sadly for someone like me who is releasing a near two-hour film. I, it's, it's it's not going longer. It's <laughs> no. going shorter. <laughs> that must be yeah, so heartbreaking um, every time. Um, but no, but I I I I think the dream was always to to release something in like a theater with, you know, full length and like that's the dream of someone who would go to film school or someone who wants to be mm -hmm. a filmmaker. But at the same time, all this technology, all these um, phones and apps, they and the short form and 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 being connected so much, like short form can be really really can be done really well and obviously with tiktok you can see all of yeah, that yeah totally and there there is a there is a huge untapped space for that and it's going to grow and it's going to grow there's everyone wants short form and i i think the way we're glued to our phones for for better or for worse I, I can't really judge right now but um it's entertaining and and people like that and um and i it's not that they just can see a random video and connect because yeah you'll laugh in the short term but they follow people and they become that that influencer or that or that content creator becomes a a person to follow a personality mm -hmm. that you can see them grow if, if you follow for someone for three years you and they post every day you'll definitely see the, the difference in them yeah you definitely the see 
what they're going through and, and, and they'll have some ups and downs. And I think the audience likes to connect with that. And I think like you mentioned podcast and long form podcast and, um, and streaming as well. Um, in that sense, when you're genuine again, back to that, I think that's what people really want and they Mm. gravitate. So, so I would say that in, in, as far as entertainment, short form entertainment is, is definitely up, up in the rise. Right. But, um, when it comes to long form podcasts and 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 streaming, people want that like authenticity. Authenticity, yeah. Yeah, mm. I feel like my tolerance for I wouldn't say tolerance for bullshit, but tolerance for just sometimes you listen to podcasts and a lot of it is kind of very conversational. I mean, we're having a conversation now, yeah. but most of uh, uh, my conversations tend to stay on topic. But some just completely go off tangent. But you know, you're happy to listen because you enjoy, you know, that host or you enjoy, you know, the guest is going to be interesting. But I feel like, yeah, a lot of people's tolerance to say, for example, read an online article is much lower. Mm, Yeah. I think people want to know like the random facts of the people they're listening to or they follow. And that gives them so much more uh, insight into who who they're about and their psychology, right? Uh, You don't want just the the bio you know yeah, read the totally. bio yeah you want the know. formal bio is like they yeah. want to hear the little quirks about what makes that person interesting or what why makes do you that do person unique yeah totally it's it's yeah what makes it you and what why do you do the things you do yeah, yeah. totally no I agree and so well so you're also a script writer <laughs> which is crazy like tell us a bit more about how you got into writing and and how you also think copywriting can be an effective tool for businesses trying to get a higher return uh, on investment on their marketing yeah so as far as the writing component um actually it all because of school like and in the course i took with nyu you um and the nyu kind of style of directing and and creating is um a writer director or author is what they they call it author yeah and so um and so you kind of have an idea and then you just write it on your own and become you know, hopefully passionate about it uh, and passionate about it and tell it. Um, so that's kind of what I do. It's like any, any interesting stories or scripts, I will, um, ideas, I will try to write as much as I can. Um, maybe it's something that um, I feel very deeply about or emotional about. And I mean, that might make a great short film, a narrative short film. I, I will write that script. And I think, I think like um, some people can, can direct things that other people write. And I maybe hope to get there as well, but I think I have to write what I direct. You know, I have to, I have to be the writer first, and then I can see, I can make it. You know, mm-hmm. I can go to really like get to the underbelly of yeah, the story you're and trying it has to, to be, it has mm-hmm. to be infused, right? And so, um, and I, I think you know that also gives me insight a bit into like, like we said, storytelling, compelling mm-hmm. characters, contrasting characters, all that, and in a way, even with a shorter form like I, I don't write um, say commercial so much or or like in copywriting so much but I do know enough about that to know that you do need also fast and compelling a hook you know all that and it, it, it's really applicable throughout you know whether you're writing a script or you're writing like copywriting for a 30 second um, mm-hmm. commercial yeah yeah it's interesting I've, I've got this book it's like this massive thick but it was like purely on copywriting and you know mm. gives examples of some of the best campaigns you know yeah, uh, yeah. through the through like the decades past decades and um yeah it's really interesting and I think you know a, a, I certainly think a lot of the brands that really do stick out have great copywriting like you know Oatly is one example I think Oatly has been around since like 
don't quote me on this, but maybe the 1970s, mm-hmm. 1960s. They've been around for a long, long time. And it was only when they brought in a new um, like uh, marketing guy on the le- leadership team where they completely changed the packaging, they changed the copywriting, did you know the brand start to grow really popular. I mean, now it's like the number one oat milk yeah. pretty much yeah. in the world. It's crazy. I noticed there's a lot of um, manifesto type videos yes. and... and our, our mission is in the copywriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed a lot, a lot of those. In like I, Lululemon. Uh, yeah. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Is it yeah. recently? Yeah. It's not. No, that's quite old. Their manifesto is just printed across all of their bags, ah. um, you know, that people yeah. use to go to yoga classes and gym yeah. sessions. But, um, I mean, it's really simple. It's just like, you know, yeah. like positive affirmations. But, yeah, you know, yeah. it catches, people atten- catches people's attention because you're like, you just you just want to read it if it's just on someone's bag, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's a lot of that. There's a lot of in in in, in like sports commercial. Like mm, Nike has a lot yes, of the, yes. their their um, their mission in in, in the mm-hmm. copywriting and the voiceover that they have. Um, and I, I'm noticing that, but that style is very people like that, you know. Um, and I think the nature of Nike and the nature of sports um, brands is that you can have you can feel. And passion, you can feel that voice, and you can mm-hmm. feel like determination because the images you get as well. You, you get people, you know, boxing, and yeah, then you get yeah. all of a sudden people slam dunking. And totally. Like, um, and it makes sense. But I find it funny that some companies want to take that formula and apply it to their, <laughs> you know, their telco or uh, <laughs> or their, you know. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't quite work. Doesn't, it doesn't quite have work. that empowerment. Yeah, you know? and it's like, no, you're just you're just selling a computer chip or something. You're <laughs> selling like a phone plan. You know, <laughs> like. Is it really that big of a deal? Yeah, 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 totally. I think it's just, but that's what I mean. That's why, you know, you can't just, it's all about the strategy as well, not just the tone, but what's applicable, like who you're writing to. And so that's that's, that's funny. That's what, like, I haven't seen any examples yet. Oh, I can't say, I can't say. I'll send send (laughs) Send to you. Yeah. Um, But, you know, but that's actually, you know, what people are, are, are back to the conversation of like having some, something genuine, right? People, can see through that right away and I think a lot of clients they they just want they want to mirror what works mm-hmm. and and uh, someone like you someone like you know anyone can tell them like this might not work because um, it's not applicable to what you're doing and if you want to mirror what works you know you might just get egg on your face later on and yeah. people might might you know ridicule your brand even more because you're just trying to copy what's been done and 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 that's I guess that's the the hard part about uh, these companies and, and trying to like find something that's great and authentic mm-hmm. and versus like just let's find something that works and and that you know it's, it's a mystery to them sometimes yeah and that's why I guess it's you just really need a tailored approach and that's why you know there is so much value in brand strategy and you know copywriting and doing that initial especially if you've, you're not creative and you're starting a new business or a brand yeah. um, to really invest uh, the initial stages and to kind of create that foundation yeah. Um, as opposed to just winging it, you know. Um, yeah. But so, you know, looking at the field that you're working, you know, the industry is obviously very competitive and um, it kind of reminds of working in, you know, a lot of people working in the fashion industry. You really have to start from the bottom, you know, to get your way up. And so what kind of advice would you give to younger filmmakers or creatives within, within the similar space? Probably the same advice that my professor gave me some years ago and and I I mean I think it's applicable (laughs) even even now it's not really something that you are done with this advice and that just means live your life because as a storyteller as a filmmaker as 
photographer, you know, anyone that wants to show, get the message across is you kind of have to live life and kind of have to mm, do things that, that are just in your subconscious. And, and, and maybe that means, you know, maybe that means, you know, just living life in a way where your actions are, are, are not, you're not thinking to them like, oh, this would be a great story. This, you know, no, you're just living life. Yeah. And for example, maybe you break up with your partner. Maybe you, um, you get in a fight with your mom or you get in a fight with your dad or maybe, um, you, maybe you decide to change religion or maybe you decide to change political parties, right? And, <laughs> and you know, looking back though, that's who you are and then you can learn so many things from that and you can tell so many great stories about your own life and I, I'd say the only way to, to tell um, the lives of people is to live your own life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. And try to kind of take stock and reflect back on your own yeah, life, you right? must Yeah, you must reflect and you must... Uh, and I wouldn't say you have to be aware, but you're going to have to digest it somehow. And, yeah. and as a storyteller, you kind of are open to... You're, you are open to that. You're like, wait, I, I was a terrible teenager, you know? And, but, and I, I really wish it didn't happen that way, but it happened. Yeah. And now, but now you have the the true emotions and the, the, like the actual episodes that you can, you, you can take from that well, right? And, and tell your own story. Yeah. yeah. It's like the whole um, saying of like history repeats itself, you know. Sometimes I, sometimes I just like look back on my life and look at the series of, you know, major kind yeah. of milestones that have happened and you think, am I just going through like weird cycles but with different characters in my life sometimes, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, it's really interesting to analyse because you don't really know what's going on when you're kind of living it day to day. It's only when you zoom out or like look back a few years do you be like oh, this happened, therefore this happened, and I met these people, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, maybe like you were down on your luck, and, and, you know, you don't think about it, you're just like, that was just a bad episode, but actually that might be, as a storyteller, mm-hmm. you know, that might be something that you draw from, right, and, and what did I think that way, like, how would, how, did, if you need, you know, a reference for how to react to someone when you're mad, like, you just think about yourself when you reacted, like, what did you think? How did you treat them? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and did you mock them from, did you mock, uh, your parents? Did you insult someone? Right. So like, it's just drawing from what you've actually done. And yeah. that really helps a lot. I what think. you're living out. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Just let one last thing, uh, that we usually do on the podcast mm. is we do a kind of lightning round of boldly rapid questions, which are a bit more personal. Um, so you just kind of have to ask, uh, answer these, um, so first one being, uh, what book would you recommend to a friend and why? Okay. Is it lightning? Um, oh, <laughs> this, this one called the, the Pale Blue Dot. And, okay. um, and it's written by uh, an astronomer called Carl Sagan. And it's a book, right? But essentially, the book title came from a photograph called the Pale Blue Dot. And that photograph was taken by, in 1990, I believe, um, um, there's a space probe called Voyager 1 and uh, Carl Sagan was an astronomer at NASA at the point and he I think was leading that team and so I think the, the, the space probe from Earth the, the distance was about 6 or 7 billion kilometers away right and, and I think it, what, what the purpose of the probe was to take photos of different planets and then mm-hmm. scientists can analyze how much gas and everything there are right and so what, what he told the team was to turn the probe around and face towards Earth, which was six 
billion kilometers away, right? So it's it's you barely can see it. However, at the time there was some sort of like sunbeams from different stars or something like that, and and the 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 probe Voyager one took that photograph, which was I think would be the last photograph it would take. And then when that that photograph came back to Earth, um, you can see a pale blue dot, and that it was just a, the size of a pixel. And, yeah. and then because of the certain lighting and the optics. It was you can see it in the vastness. So like you would see it, you know, in all black, but there's just one dot there. And and then Carl Sagan was an obviously like a very complicated um, logical kind of thinker, but he also was very philosophical and and and, mm-hmm. and all that. So he he used that photo as a reference to say that look at this pale blue dot. This is where we live. Um, all the people that you hate, all the people that you love, everyone that you you get along with throughout history, um, they. They um, they live in that blue dot. So, you know, this is why we should take care of the planet. This is yeah. why we should take care of ourselves. So we take care of our, our family. And, and it, it's, it's very humbling, you know. Mm. And so that was the whole point is to look at this photo and, and humble yourself as to we, we just live in that in that freaking <laughs> pixel, you know, that small blue <laughs> pixel. Put it into perspective, right? Yeah. It reminds me of the David Attenborough uh, documentary. Not sure if you've seen that recently um, on Netflix. The, he does a, our, a short shot where he feels like, you know, we just to give you an idea of how a perspective of how small we are and how yeah. irrelevant, you know, and how we need to look after the earth. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, beautiful. It's and, and I recommend the book and it tells you like all the, the different uh, space programs and everything that we, we you know, that NASA, but also other countries have gone mm-hmm. through, but also it, he does a lot of reflection and a lot of philosophy um, yeah. on that. And that's I think that's very important for astronomy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, it has nothing to do with creativity or anything like that, but no, I, no, I just no. think it it's important it for a human. Yeah, creativity. Yeah. <laughs> Someone had actually recently recommended a children's book on the podcast once. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> whatever, whatever takes your fancy. So mm. I guess the next question is, what are your three favorite films? It must be hard for you. <laughs> Very tough. Um, I won't go into like explanation like I just did, uh, but. Um, I would say my favorite director is um, this Korean director called Lee Chang Dong, and he's like a master uh, at, at cinema and everything. And um, I, he has a lot of great films, and it's hard to choose one. But I would uh, right now I would just choose this one called Poetry, and it's essentially about a a, a woman who took has taken a poetry class and is writing poetry. But at the same time, there's like this crime that happened in this in in the city that or town that she's living in, and um, the themes of her poem and then that crime and how it affected the the town and society at that point was just kind of they're kind of like uh, parallel and mm. it's, it's very very like um uh, he is very good at like lyrical symbolic kind of images and 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 drama and everything as well mixing in those two together so it, it's just beautiful i i recommend everyone watch poetry um and he yeah he he's a, he's a master at that yeah Add it to the list. Um, poetry, and uh, quickly, I'll do uh, one called um, Enter the Void. Enter the Void is by um, a director called Gaspar Noé, and he's French-Argentinian, and it, it's a trip. It's actually a mind trip. I think um, it has a lot of cool music and visuals, and I, I really think you would like it as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's essentially about a guy who has taken um, some pills, I believe, <laughs> or something like that. But at the same time, he read the book, uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and so the whole film is from his perspective. So you don't see him so much. You just see like his the eyes, yeah, yeah, his eyes, his eyes and looking in around and interaction. Yeah. And then um, in the film, he's just interacting, and then um, he's getting hallucinating. 
at the same time, he actually passes away. He gets sh- like shot in the film, and then his <laughs> oh his spirit comes out. Okay. And then the perspective is his spirit, so he sees like like himself, and then like what, what then he can fly around the the city. is based in Tokyo. He can fly around the city and um and all through this club, the clubs, and see his like sister, like what she's doing, and like his friends, and like. But you can feel it. It, ha- it does have a proper story. It, it's very art house. Um, is it quite new? I would say it's like a few years old already. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's just a. It, it for me, I recommend that. Um, not because I think it's like the best film, but also because, wow, this is a movie can be like this. Like you, you can see that this perspective and all that, and you never expect that. You always mm-hmm. see movies as as a traditional form, but this kind of breaks that mold. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Interesting. And the last one I'll have to recommend because we're in Singapore and. Uh, <laughs> There's a great uh, film uh, by this director called Anthony Chen, and he did the one um, called Elo Elo. And I believe that was his feature film as well, like feature, first feature mm-hmm. film. And it's great. It's just um, it's a story about uh, a Singaporean family, more specifically the, the young boy and mm-hmm. his relationship between the, their helper and right. like just growing up in that sense and, and that drama and those emotions and very beautifully acted and, and shot. And um, I, I do think it's one of the, the best films in Singapore. Mm, yeah. Interesting, yeah. I have yeah. to definitely add that to this. My partner's like a big film, uh, film watcher. Like I, I'd say I'm more of a music person, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I've definitely watched a lot more films, and I'm trying to educate more about, you know, the art of uh, film directing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess my last question is, if you could share a short sentence on a billboard, what would you have on it? <laughs> Oh man. Um I would I would say I would say live and let live. Yeah. Live and let live. Yeah. I I think especially you know ominous day today, right? Everything um and it's going on with the world and I mm. think everyone has had it, you know, to you know almost has reached a limit in some and some dealing with um anxiety and depression and everything and I, I think the least we can do for everyone is to just let live and mm-hmm. and live your life be the best person you can but also let others live and be who they want and be whatever part of whatever political side of the aisle you're in or mm. religion you're in or if you like you know certain movies or you don't like certain movies or anything yeah. you just kind of have to let people yeah, yeah. be right just and give people the, the permission to have their own choices yeah without any judgment and, and the world is much more uh, peaceful vibrant place. peaceful <laughs> but also more vibrant with more opinions and, and yeah and they can be conflicting here and there but still like just let people live and i yeah. and i and i find that i find it like takes away a lot of stress for yeah. me when i when i like i realize i'm stressing and i'm like wait i should just chill yeah Yeah. (laughs) just just chill bring it back down to earth yeah Yeah, i love that all right well that's a great way to end this um but yeah i'm just gonna wrap up this conversation now but thanks so much for coming in today and having this conversation with me it was really interesting to hear uh your story and hear more about what you've been working on and obviously congratulations for the new future thank you i'm excited to see it (laughs) november 29th um please buy tickets Yeah. yeah crazy for those of you listening in singapore Yes. You can get it at uh, um, online you, on the Singapore, Singapore International Film Festival's website. Um, it'll be in, in screen and theater, um, but also uh, they'll be online. You can watch it online as well. They have like a, they're doing a hybrid. Okay, you know, great. Because yeah. theaters are open here right now, mm, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I think it's like 
social seating yeah. distancing or yeah. whatever but you know luckily yeah. we're not quite in lockdown at the moment but again yeah thank you so much for joining us um i will put all the uh show notes in uh in the notes and yeah if you're looking for tra- any transcripts of the interviews you can find them at anotherstartupstory.com but uh this has been really really great advice and it was really good to chat to you and get to know more uh, about your story and uh thank you for those who are listening at home um you'll hear from us soon <laughs> thanks guys Bye. Thank you.